You are listening to Fanfare Tracks. Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Star Wars news in a single file. This is Making Tracks. Here are your hosts, Mark Newbold and Mark Lowcaster. That's not true. That's impossible. Hello and welcome to episode 183 of Making Tracks, brought to you by those fine folk over at fanfortracks.com. My name is Mark. I am one of the two Marks. And joining me this week, well, it's no surprise really, it is a man whose plumbing and his pipes are always in good working order. It's Mr. Mark Newbold. Marky boy, how you doing, buddy? I'm very well, mate. How are your pipes and plumbing doing? Not so good. I'm not talking about me personally, I'm talking about the plumbing in the house. Running around like Super Mario trying to fix uh, leaks and stuff that the boilers kind of decided to create in the last couple of days. And typically it's happened when the boss is away. So, of course, that's me being left to kind of fend for myself. And uh, you make sure the house doesn't implode, explode or in this case, drown. So, yeah, it's uh, not going too well so far. Well, we won't be talking about leaks on this episode. We will be talking about plenty of rumours, though. Lots of news floating around. It's been a hot start to the year, I think. January and February is fairly quiet. There's not many conventions. And yet this year we've already had Megacon down in London. And there's tons of news. First hot news of the day. Could Disney be looking at doing a Star Wars What If? It was reported over at screen time that Disney are reportedly developing a What If version of Star Wars. No more news than that other than there is this concept floating out there. Loads of people got speaking about it, which is kind of a Star Wars thing to just talk about what ifs and maybes and hypotheticals. But if Disney did do a Star Wars version of what if, Dark Horse did Infinities, we've kind of got Star Wars Visions, which is sort of that in a way. Do you think that's a good idea? Would that be something you'd be interested in watching? What do you think about that one? I think this would be quite fun. But like you said, Dark Horse did do Infinities, which I think for the time anyway, it was quite a standout little strand that Dark Horse did for Star Wars. And also we have had Visions. Okay, so it's not involved really too many or if any characters from the actual canon and it was all new characters and, and more. It was like almost like soft pilots, which we haven't seen anything more from that really beyond the Ronin paperback novel. So this could be quite cool. I mean, I really enjoyed watching the Marvel What Ifs. You know what happens, people get the knickers and the twist about it being canon or not canon, but by now you'd like to think that it will be clearly obvious that it's not really going to impact. I mean, it would be fun. I think the animation is, and at least the animated style that they did for Marvel's What Ifs, I really liked. So I could definitely see Star Wars fitting into that. But have you got any reservations? I do, sadly. Where we are now with all these different eras, we've got High Republic with the Young Jedi Adventures animated, Acolyte about to start in live action hopefully later this year. So there's that era. We've had the prequel era and we've got more with the new Ray film coming. We've got the original trilogy era where we've got Andor coming. There's stuff happening all around the various arenas and areas of Star Wars storytelling and there's a lot going on and there's a lot stacking up as we talked about last week. So I think the focus should be on canonical storytelling Mm -hmm. because there's so much that needs to be done and so much 
to get through in the sense that at some juncture, I think, down the line in the future, they will go, well, we are done with the prequel era now, finally, and we are done with, let's say, The Horror Republic, and we are done with the original trilogy, and we're beyond the sequel trilogy, so now Star Wars can be at a point where we basically only move forward. I think yeah. that'll happen. We might not be around for it, but I think it'll eventually it'll happen. And so when you get to that point, then if you want to go back and tell crazy, wacky stories of what if Padme and Obi-Wan were the parents of Luke, of Luke and Leia or whatever, any yeah. what-if story, there's a multitude literally of stories you could come up with, then, yeah, fill your boots. But at the moment, in the same sense that when Rogue... I mean, we were talking 10 years ago now nearly. When Rogue yeah. One came out, people were like, well, where's Ray and why's Darth Vader in this? Isn't he dead? And people didn't get that it was set, you know, 30 years before and there was confusion straight off the bat. There was confusion. I do think if they did a Star Wars what if, some factions of the fandom would latch onto things that were more in line with what they would like to see and mm. really this is what Lucasfilm should be doing. I think they could be setting up more problems for themselves than not. So I'd rather see a Tales of the Jedi type series expanding into something more that's telling these lost threads of storylines that we never got than get a what if. That being said, if they did do a Star Wars what if, I think it would be really fun. You're absolutely right about the animation style for the Marvel what if. I absolutely, and I love that show. I thought season two of what if was the best season of, certainly the best Marvel season of storytelling last year. And it yeah. was in my top three of all series for last year. So I'm not criticising the concepts. I used to read what if as a kid. I just don't know if Star Wars is the right arena because then if you start getting into multiverses and you start playing around with the timeline, Star Wars is, you know this as well as anyone, Star Wars is so cohesively tied together. You pull one thread with Star Wars, all of a sudden other things don't yeah. stack up very quickly. Whereas there is a an inbuilt multiverse into Marvel now, yeah. that's a trajectory that they've been very clearly heading towards and they're headed towards from the end of Endgame. You can develop something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's greenlit. It's almost like somebody's gone, what if we did a Star Wars what if? What would that look like? And obviously the, the amount of money that Lucasfilm and Disney can throw at stuff, they could probably spend a bit of money and actually go, right, we're going to employ a couple of uh, writers. Go and do us a treatment, do us a pitch on what this would be. How how would this look? How would this work? Because that's the thing, until sometimes the execs have got something in front of them that they can either visually see or, or read, that they're not going to be able to make an informed decision on. And it's at that point then you kind of go, well, well, hang on a sec here, yeah, we've already had Star Wars Visions. It might be cool to, I don't know, maybe have somebody else like Frozen and Carbonite instead of Han. But I'm sure there's probably lots of different cool things. You know, it's the playground stuff like, wouldn't it be cool if so-and-so did that instead of this, if Vader was redeemed earlier? Until there's either a trailer, and not even a trailer, until I'm actually sat in a theatre watching the bloody thing, got to take it with a massive pinch of salt, really. We have had some listeners' questions this week, and usually we would do it all in one bunch at the end of the show. But because the questions have been perfectly relevant to what we're talking about, I will throw first one at you, actually, right now. Paul John Nichols, regular listener to Panther Tracks and Making Tracks, his question was, if a Star Wars What If series goes ahead, what kind of What If scenarios would you like to see? Although the Star Wars Infinities comics from a few years ago already have beat Disney to this idea. So like we just said, Infinities is a concept for Star Wars that's around. If they did go down this route, then maybe this is 
is a rumour that's just a rumour or maybe it's a rumour that's got some legs and there is something to it and it is on the horizon, yeah, Infinities will be a great title for it. They're certainly not going to call it Star Wars What If, but that's kind of the basis. I hope they don't. Oh, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. Marvel did it with, with What If, DC did it with Elseworlds, Dark Horse did it with Star Wars Infinity. So there's, there's concepts out there, but yeah. if they did do that, what kind of scenarios would you like to see? Where would you like to see them go and how far down the line would you like to see them take it? To avoid a risk of crossing streams and creating multiverses and strands and stuff, I think maybe you do kind of almost keep them as single, like standalone stories. And there's probably enough Star Wars that you could go, right, well, wouldn't it be cool. Like, I don't know, what if Obi-Wan died instead of Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon trained Anakin? Would Qui-Gon have been able to foresee where Anakin ended up? Would he have prevented it? You know, would he have ended up shacking up with Shmi? Therefore, like Anakin's mummy issues uh, are put to one side. Who knows? You know, she would have uh, still been around, you'd think, wouldn't you, if Qui Gon exactly. and Shmi were together? Yeah, exactly. So that's just the first one that just kind of just come to my head. Any that you've got? Well, I think if they did it, and now um, now let's take it down the route that they're going to do it. Yeah, let's go down that hooja pole, yeah. Let's say they are going to do it. First question, is it animation or is it live action? Oh, um, I think it's got to be animation. Exactly. My head tells me it would have to be animation because the cost of it in live action would be ridiculous. And it needs to be delineated and different enough to be able to be put on the screen at any kind of reasonable cost. So I would say, yes, animation. Storylines, I don't know. I mean, I think if they're going to do a what-if Star Wars, then instead of doing one-off standalone things like Marvel have done, Star Wars, I think, would want to make it stand out as its own thing and be a bit different. So I could see them doing it in arcs. So if they did a nine-episode season, like yeah, what if it's stories. been nine episodes, then yeah, three stories. Because if you read the recent Yoda miniseries from Marvel, which I think was 10 issues, there was a batch of different writers on it, and they were in three-story arcs yeah, with yeah. a final one that kind of tied it all together. Well, and it was, as well. Exactly, yeah. And it was a really good... The Yoda series was a really good series. To me, I think if they did do what if as a concept for Star Wars, I'd rather see it as a comic. And maybe if they wanted to do like they've done with some of the recent High Republic novels, do them as radio dramas, I could get into that. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. If they did it, I'm Team Star Wars, so I'm getting behind it. I will watch everything and we'll review it. And it's not like I'm boycotting it because I don't think it's a good idea. If they do it, I'm in. Hi, this is Ethan Sachs, and you're listening to Phantatrax. The comparisons between Star Wars and Marvel is so common, and it feels obvious. They they are the two franchises that seem obvious to compare. But Marvel, because you can focus on just Spider-Man and his rogues gallery, or just the X-Men and their problems, you can throw in multiverses, you mentioned stuff, because that's very much a fixture of the fittings of Marvel and DC. So you can do it with superheroes. You can kill somebody off and bring them back. And God knows we've done that in Star Wars as well. But in superhero world, it's different. And there is always in superhero storytelling, in the comics anyway, that reset button. Spider-Man has ebbed and flowed between the ages of about 15, 16, up to a, probably his early 30s. And you've told stories largely in that chunk of time. And there's been certain miniseries and the Spider-Verse films where you've stepped out of that time frame. But generally, that's where you see Peter Parker, for example. With Star Wars, we've followed characters from literally, we saw the birth of Luke and Leia, to their deaths. So Star Wars is far more linear. And there is another question, actually, on this topic from Brian Cameron, our very own Brian Cameron from Good Morning Tatooine. Does the concept of what-if stories to Star Wars undermine the franchise's unique advantage, a simple, consistent story? Well, you could argue whether it's simple or not. Yeah. 
Do you think there's something in that? Star Wars is very linear, but they aren't, as we can see with the High Republic and with Acolyte, afraid to jump back and fill a gap. But I suppose the differences with that is that that should all then still line up and connect and, and follow a story through. Unless they drop the ball or they decided to wreck on something for a specific reason, that's how it should always be. And that's always partly been the downfall of the expanded universe to a degree. When they wanted to do films, it was already done. So therefore, yeah, to push that to one side. And this is what we do. And we're allowed to do it because we're fans. But, you know, are we just over overthinking it? My biggest complaint with Rogue One, like you said, about people going, well, where's Ray and stuff like that? It was a fundamental flaw with the marketing that they didn't really explain it. I mean, for example, okay, let's take a an, another what if scenario to really put the fox amongst the pigeons. Let's use Ahsoka in the world between worlds. And that's your vehicle to kind of go in and, and do your what ifs because like she's going in and she's fixing things. So a little bit quantum leap, something like that would ultimately cause a lot of uh, confusion because you're using a main Karen character and a device that is already in existence, which has not really been explored and really defined clearly. And I'm pretty sure we probably will get some extra definition of that when we get to Soka season two. But for the most part, Star Wars is linear, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so I agree. Star Wars should be linear, and it's a timeline and a chronology, more than canon. Yeah. I think chronology is... Chronology is a better term for it, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the world between worlds, and that is a device that has been used very judiciously, and it's treated with quite a lot of respect by everyone, really, surrounding and involved with it. But if you wanted to use the world between worlds as a mirror in the teachings of a Jedi master to his students to show if you go down this path, then this is what will happen. And you could format it in a, in a way like that that feels more in-universe, waggling the air quotes for a podcast. That might work better. It's a never-ending list yes. of stories, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, I think you, you hit it quite well on my head there. Every franchise, in one way or another, has some kind of device in its in its own keeping to allow either allow for certain stuff like that we had just the mirror universe as well on trek again it's an alternate universe and it's not really a what if as such because like it it was but it kind of wasn't it was kind of like its own kind of thing but again it's still a what but our characters could interact with it so exactly, it was real yeah. wasn't it but yeah. it but it's and and that's the thing is like it's it has to conform to its own show logic Marvel really doesn't have an animated property on Disney Plus in the same kind of way. Whereas Star Wars, we've got so much animated stuff, you know, by its very definition, because it's animated and all of the other MCU stuff is pretty much live action, that makes it different enough that it should, in theory, not marry up. In Star Wars, we've got loads of different animated shows already. So therefore, you'd have to make it really stylistically different. So, like, it's obvious to the viewer, even if they haven't read a description of it, and they just, just see it up on their screen. Oh, what is this? Like, when they do the Simpsons shorts and stuff like that, yeah. and, you know, Boba Fett kind of turns up. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody's ever trying to kind of work out where that is in the timeline, because it's all over the shop. Um, <laughs> if they put it out, and it, if it's done to a high standard, then I think that's the, the most important thing. But you wouldn't want to pull people off of other important projects to do something which could possibly be seen as more of a curiosity. We want consistently strong Star Wars, not just any Star Wars. If a show like this comes along and there's a concept in there that is strong enough that it could kind of be cherry-picked and put into canon, would you see that as a good thing or a bad thing? Because at the moment, a criticism that's often thrown at Star Wars in general is in relation to the storytelling 
and it's from a fandom that doesn't know what it wants and half yeah. of them love it and half of them hate it. So generally in, in a comments thread, if you've got pretty much 49 to 51 give or take of love or hate, you know you've pretty much got it right because that's just life and that's how it is. So you know you're kind of getting it right if that's the reaction. But if they do a show like this and the greatest concept of all time comes out of a show like this, is that a good thing in the sense that it took all the expense of a show like this to bring out this wonderful idea? Where does it sit? I mean, could we make the same argument for Expanded Universe being pulled into canon? True. Because it's like you go, well, Tim Fizan came up with Thrawn. Yeah. And those writers who were writing in those novels, they knew as soon as they commit any character or any kind of definition to page, it ceases to be theirs and it's never theirs really to begin with. It then basically comes down to like the behest of whatever Lucasfilm wants to use it for. I mean, Star Wars is very good at this. Like we see it in Marvel comics all the time, pushing the High Republic, suddenly the High Republic, like Luke Skywalker has found a lightsaber from the High Republic, that kind of thing. That is the danger, isn't it? But again, is that just something that is need to be maintained and con- and controlled? So, like you, you know, you kind of say, well, look, it doesn't matter how good it is; it stays within its what if for Infinity's lane, and we we won't ever see a a white Darth Vader in canon. Maybe they yeah. can riff off it, and maybe any franchise that has an item, an idea, or a character that is resonating with the audience then they would be foolish in this day and age to not explore that further. But you would probably want to explore that in the Infinity's environment first. And then if it gets really big, that's when you've got to start making that question of how could we port this over? I guess on that point, you can't be too choosy, can you? Because you made the great point of pulling from Legends that they've said all along that they were going to do because there are some great stories in there, there's some great concepts, there's some great characters so let's pull it in. So if they're prepared to do it from that and they did run a show like this and they create the next Mara Jade, let's pick a name, and everyone's raving about this cool character in this show and they transpose that character into a canonical storyline, you know the history and the birth of that character was in uh, Star Wars What If or Star Wars Infinities or whatever you want to call it. Does that really matter? I don't suppose I, it does, I does don't, it? I, No, I don't think it does. And we've seen this when they rewrote Front back story. They kind of gave him a new backstory that then didn't kind of clash with what had been done through the Clone Wars and outside of the expanded universe. So if you have got a Lara maid, for example, and she kind of becomes the next big thing and everybody's like, oh my God, we need her in the next series of Mandalorian, then yeah, you just come up with a different origin story. Let's take Mara Jade for an example, and it is the Empress Hand. The general idea, especially nowadays with Inquisitors and stuff like that, is so within the realms of possibility that you could have this other agent working with Vader or for Vader and with the Emperor. and And those who know will kind of go, well, you know, her original backstory is cooler, but it's cool that we've got her. And those who don't know and aren't bothered to go and find out about the original versions, then they just accept what they see on the screen and that becomes a popular character. For everything in one location, daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video and social media feeds, bookmark fanthatracks.com for Star Wars news 24-7, 365. Speaking this week with French site Allo Cine, Daisy Ridley dived into some memories. She spoke about her time on Star Wars, of course, working on Casualty, the British hospital drama, some memories of making The Force Awakens, meeting some heroes of hers, Danny DeVito, Barbara Streisand. But then, of course, conversation turns to Star Wars Celebration last year and her return as Rey 
in what we're just going to call episode 10. She did actually talk about it quite a bit, and this is what she said, talking about Celebration, returning on stage at Celebration. Yes, that was actually quite last minute. I was actually making my own film last year, and Kathy Kennedy said she wanted to have breakfast, and I thought we were just having breakfast. So I was actually eating my breakfast, and she said, oh, we might do another one. Okay, so I thought about that for a little bit. Once I knew what the story was and everything, I knew it was something I really wanted to do. I think it's a really fantastic exploration of the Star Wars world. It's a really cool way of taking the story in a different direction. And she goes on to say, it was very strange. It took me back to being 20 again. I couldn't tell anyone. Went to my mom's house. I was like, Mom, and she was like, how are we doing this again? And then my husband was filming in LA, so he wasn't awake. So I was like, would you wake up so I can tell you? And then it was all very strange because it was all sort of secretive again. And then I came out on stage and it was very much not secretive anymore, but it was wonderful. What do you make of her comments? I mean, she seems very positive, doesn't she? Seems really positive. But then I think we'd be worried if she if she turned around and goes, yeah, it's really, really shit and I really really nervous by the prospect of where we're going. It's kind of fairly kind of lip servicey to the actual production, which is cool. What do you reckon? Do you reckon she was having like her Weedabix or like cross on or something and just spat it all over Kathy's face when she goes, oh yeah, we're going to do another one? I think she asked for Rice Krispies and they offered a Weedabix and then somebody walked past with a box of special Ray. So she had that instead. <laughs> They've definitely pitched a direction. Yeah. Which is positive. Yeah. I mean, she has said in other interviews, she mentioned more yeah. than one film. Was she talking about the other films in development at the moment or is she talking about subsequent episodes in her series it could be either without yeah. without kind of getting into trouble i think at this stage they will probably do something that can be picked up and continued but not necessarily if it dies on its ass but i mean it's a bit like what you said last week when we spoke about mando and grogu you know if you set it up right then obviously it's going to filter off into the tv shows not just mando but the others but if it doesn't quite stick the landing and they go uh, we tried, it didn't quite work, then it's something they can just carry on on the small screen and they've not really lost anything in terms of story. I mean, probably most of uh, the best trilogies that have been out there have really kind of gone down that, that kind of formula to even just look at A New Hope. And you could even argue and say even Phantom Menace. This would be what it will be. And unfortunately, it's going to be a divisive film, at least going into it. And so I really hope that this does does really well and actually does you know make it past just where they are now and it actually gets across the line because it would be nice for some voices in star wars fandom to have shut the hell up now and again one thing that the sequel trilogy struggled with is that they didn't feel like there was that direction that thread between the three so with television as we spoke about last week there can't not be a thread there can't not be a plot and a plan for a season even shows like The Simpsons have a plan for a season, and that's as scattershot as you could want. So a show like Star Wars with such a tight-knit continuity, which we've been talking about, has to be planned. But the feeling and the perception was the sequel trilogy didn't. And now in the intervening years, and you know, next year it's 10 years since Force Awakens, so yeah. we're, we're way past it. So next year, as you know, the production of this hopefully gets ramped up and things start moving and we celebrate that anniversary, and we, we look at the new things that are coming, the Mandoverse stuff being its own thing, and now this continuation, if you want to call it that, of the sequel trilogy. Daisy, as you say, she's a professional. She's not going to be anything other than optimistic about what she's doing, and she, there's no reason to not believe that she's seen story treatments and likes the flow of it and the feel of it, and probably more in relation to her character than, than anything else. You'd think if it's 15 years on, Ray's lived a lot of living in that 15 years. Mm. You think she spent the previous 18 years on Jakku as a kid, and now she's 
well into her 30s. Daisy will pretty much be the age that Ray should be by the time she gets to that role. I'm excited to see what they do with it because we are having a lot of, and I think the Mandoverse is playing quite a role in filling the time period, but I think also in, it'll accelerate the links between sequel and original trilogies Yeah, because of the Mando Bridge, even moving into things that probably don't seem that important, but things like Resistance that's pre-Force Awakens, you're going to start bridging all these things together. Going on a separate tack, a rumour flew around that the film has now been delayed, and then io9 Gizmodo came out and said, no, we've got a Lucasfilm insider who says, no, everything's moving forward as it should. So it was a blip and a, and a nothing story for about a day. What do you think about that? Do you think it speaks to the point you've just made in that going into this film, it's coming with baggage, and there's going to be a negativity for no good reason. Well, this is it. I mean, like we saw people misquoting the director, taking kind of stuff that she had said previously out of context. And then even people jump into conclusions saying, oh, she's, you know, she's only done two documentaries. And it's like, have you not even checked her IMDb? Done more than that. Obviously, the dollar slash pound sign is going to entice Daisy. But Daisy is 10 years into her career from where she was when she had just pulled out of the table from Silent Witness and then gets like Force Awakens. And she would have seen and would have heard and have would have read all the criticism associated with the sequel trilogy. So you would think that she and herself would probably go, well, okay, if we're going to do this, great. That sounds exciting. However, can we make sure that this story is going to work and is, is well written? And it isn't just left to be picked up and then written on the back of a cigarette packet and then passed on to the next director if there's going to be multiple films. So I think, you know, she would probably would have more stake in the game, like when it comes to actually her role in this. We're not talking Daniel Craig producer level, but you would think that if you bring in something and you want to get somebody back, you know, to reprise her role, there has to be a reason. It's the same like with Harrison Ford, isn't it? Like they had to really try hard to get him back, The Force yeah. Awakens, because you know his his story had, as far as he was concerned, it was done. So you have to kind of give him another reason to go right. You know, but that's the story. But then this is the next instalment. Um, Do you think that's how they sold it to Daisy? That what ends at Rise of Skywalker? I kind of feel like, in some respects, and I I don't know if it's just because of how was that's because of how the sequel trilogy was put together. But I kind of almost feel like it was a way almost of dealing with some of the baggage. Obviously, it's created its own baggage. Because let's be fair, those legacy characters from the OT and, and what have you will always have some influence into the storytelling until you have to do a clean sweep and kind of go, right, this is now completely blue sky thinking and what have you, and let's just completely take it in, in new different directions. You would hope that, yes, Lucasfilm would have seen and read and heard all the criticism, be it positive or negative, about the sequel trilogy and would probably go, do you know what? Let's not do that again. Let's have a plan for going forward for, from now on. And I think we can clearly see that. Look at what's happening with the Mandoverse. Ultimately, deaths and um, you know things flopping or people getting fired, it's just the nature of everyday life. It means That's Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah. It is Hollywood, you know, and it's no different from any other job. Nobody's expected to be there in 10 years' time or life changes. And so obviously entertainment has to pivot and kind of like work with that as well as try and forge its own, its own path. I'm nothing but positive for this, and it's got nothing to do with the fact I really like the sequel trilogy, but because I can see it from a very objective perspective of like, I enjoyed it, but would I have enjoyed it more if they had had a full-on story arc and we knew exactly where they're going from day one or 
when they'd finished the Force Awakens and passed it on to Last Jedi. Hi, this is Neil Scanlon. You're listening to Panther Track. With what they're doing now, then, given that they are clearly planning to push on in that direction, and also the thought that already there may or may not be delays, there are multiple projects on the go at the moment, with more probably waiting to be announced. We're probably on the cusp or actually already in arguably the busiest period of Star Wars ever. If you factor in the books and the comics and all the other stuff, we've got Bad Batch about to finish. There'll probably be something replacing that. We've got more visions, more Tales of the Jedi. You know, there's all the stuff we know about. We talk about it all the time. You mentioned baggage. You mentioned fandom going into certain projects with baggage and the projects have that baggage to deal with. And we hear fan rumour, and that's all it really is at the moment, fan rumour that, this project's not going ahead. It's on indefinite hold. And then somebody from either Lucasfilm speaks to io 9 or somebody has a conversation by the water cooler and it's, no, it's not been held up. Business as usual. And there's all this rumour and scuttlebutt, which, of course, people like us are going to chat about on a podcast or mention on a website. That's Star Wars. Nothing new. Do you think that that will hinder anything in terms of what news comes out? And the reason I say that is because we heard last week of, this project's in development. Well, me writing three ideas on the back of a notepad is in development. Things being in production is another level entirely. We know that there's going to be a Ray film, or at least we hope there's going to be a Ray film, but there's been no release date given. There are release slots that they'd like to aim for, but we don't know what's going to drop into it or which film's coming out first. They've not indicated any of that. It's all fan supposition. So given all of that, there's a lot to factor in. Do you think there's a pressure for them to rush it do you think that they should wait until they feel like they've got it just right as much as you can? Where do you think they need to be with this? Because there'll always be these rumours and there'll always be yeah. these people putting two and two and getting five. Well, exactly. And people, I guess, pushing their own kind of negative agendas on certain projects. You haven't even taken into consideration. Whilst it it feels like a new uh, film studio is popping up in the southeast of uh, England every couple of weeks, there's still finite property to do these films. So who's to say that a Daisley film isn't delayed because of something to do with their production, but not to do with somebody else's production, i.e. like they find that they need to rework a whole chunk of um, the Mando film. And they've already started, you know, it's already gone under, you know, in front of the cameras. Or there's another strike or something like that, you know, there's, there's loads of stuff. To your point, though, if you have a franchise or if you have a company that panders too much to the fandom, then I think you get a, a very diluted, watered-down, creative product. And I think also, like you said, well, most of the fandom doesn't know what it wants. I don't really know what I want when I come to Star Wars. Same. I'm just quite used to just seeing good Star Wars on the screen, which means that you put the faith in the creatives to tell interesting stories. You wonder if maybe there's some kind of pressure whereby the next film, the next couple of films, are need to be successes. And therefore, they may lose faith in a production quickly, rather than kind of like trying to work through rewrites and just letting it, you know, if it takes two or three years to develop. We've heard of films that have been in development for like years and years and years. It's, it's whether or not they, they have the, I guess, the balls really to kind of stick with it. If they're not happy with it, rather than just going, go, ah, okay, well, we're just going to fire another writer, call it creative differences, and then it's going to fade away. Another Maybe Rogue it, Squadron, you mean? 
Yeah, exactly. Maybe they need to go, right, okay, if this is what Star Wars needs, well, that's what we feel Star Wars needs, then we need to make sure that it lands. So therefore, you take the time to develop it. And if it means there's going to be delays, to hell with like this, like the news stories and the fans and that. It would be different if it was just pure 100% disappointment. Everybody's really gutted that something's been delayed, but actually, no, it's not. It's like something gets delayed and it's like, ah, it's because Catherine Kennedy's like the worst thing that's happened to Star Wars or like, you know, they shouldn't have employed a female director or writer or whatever. And it's, you just kind of go, whatever. Switch off to them. Precisely. But if there's like, you know, there's fundamental issues, like they saw with Rogue Squadron and also with Rise of Skywalker, I mean, Skywalker, they had their hands tied. They had a release date that was set in stone and they had nothing they could do about it. They said, said for, for John with that. And you kind of think, if they had gone, do you know what? To hell with it. Let's pull on the brakes and let's give it another six months or 18 months. Let's see if we can kind of like work this out a little bit better. Would we have got a better film? I'm just playing devil's advocate. It's tough though, isn't it? Like you say, when, yeah, yeah. when you've got so much expectation from fandom and some franchises listen too much to the fans and give them what they think they want, and you can't second-guess it. It's easy for us as positive guys to tell you what we don't like and not so easy to tell you what we do. And I'm sure if you picked our brains, we could figure something out. Yeah, It's just the nature of creativity, isn't it? It's easy to go, I don't like that. As people have found out since 1978, trying to kind of capture that Star Wars lightning in the bottle and the essence of Star Wars is very difficult. Yeah. How do you do that? Define what Star Wars is. Anthony Daniels, at the start of his one-man show, he says, what's the main theme of Star Wars? And you get the battle of good versus evil. And, you know, nowadays people just say hope. The punchline to that is actually, no, it's all about C-3PO. Um, <laughs> however, the fact that you always get a wide variety of different answers uh, to that one question spells out what Star Wars is, is different to everyone and therefore makes it very, very difficult to then please anyone. If you want to be part of the action, visit fanthatracks.com or be sure to comment, like and share on our social media feeds at Fanthatracks. Send in your listeners' questions by emailing radio at fanthatracks.com. Subscribe, leave a review, preferably a five-star one, on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice. And as always, thanks to James Temple for composing the Fanthatracks intro, Adam O'Brien for our making tracks opening music and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers. Tune in to Good Morning Tattooing. It's live Sunday evenings, 9 o'clock UK, 4pm Eastern, 1pm Pacific on Facebook, YouTube and Twitch and check out our Fanthatracks radio Friday night rotation every Friday at 7 o'clock UK time for new episodes of the Phantom Down Under, Planet Layer, Desert Planet Discs, Start Your Engines, Collecting Tracks, Cannon Fodder and special episodes of Making Tracks and every Tuesday at 7 o'clock UK time for your weekly episode of Making Tracks. And remember, Phantatracks.com, our social media feeds, Phantatracks TV and Phantatracks Radio are absolutely free. So no Patreon, buy me a coffee, Kickstarter or Indiegogo required to stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news. Until we catch up with you again, may the Force be with you. Coming up next on Fanta Tracks Radio, it's another episode of Making Tracks. Have you been sat on that one?